Everybody, it's time to clean up your to-do list with built-in America steel, chainsaws, blowers, trimmers, and much more. That's steel, S-T-I-H-L, and you can find them at steeldealers.com. They have powerful tools and the trusted advice you need to make your yard an absolute masterpiece. And remember, there's over 10,000 steel dealers around the country. They have legendary equipment, and they're built in America. So find your steel dealer. Do it today and get ahead of your neighbors and get things done. It's steeldealers.com, S-T-I-H-L, steeldealers.com. And remember, they have gas, they have electric, they have battery-powered chainsaws, blowers, trimmers, and much, much more. This week on the Drew Goodman Podcast, former Rockies infielder Clint Barmas. The biggest highlight of my career, and sadly, that was at the very beginning of my career. <laughs> but that one just kind of outshines everything else that I did. And Drew talks player movement both for the Rockies and the Avalanche. And I trust Joe Sackett because Joe has made a lot of really shrewd moves. Subscribe to the Drew Goodman Podcast wherever you find your podcasts. And leave a comment that helps other people find the show. This is the Drew Goodman Podcast. All right, everybody. Welcome in to another edition of the Drew Goodman Podcast. It is podcast number 105, I think. Starting to lose track. Hey, just got back from the mountains a few days ago. Actually, not our mountains, but Lake Tahoe. Last week, I was riding with uh, Gabe, my youngest son, on uh, a little trip we took on the California Zephyr and actually did the show from the California Zephyr. It was our All-Star Week show. And I'm telling you, man, that was a blast. If you ever have an opportunity to get on the California Zephyr, and even if just overnight, and head west, and all the beauty of the Rockies, and it takes you places where you don't go via car. It's way off of I-70, and you know you see wildlife, and you see spectacular ravines, and obviously the mountains, and it continues into Utah. And uh, when it gets a little bit you know, desolate between Utah and Nevada. That's probably when you're going to be sleeping if you get off the train like we did in Reno. And then we headed up to Tahoe. It was an absolute blast. So I would recommend that highly for anyone thinking about trying to do something a little bit different. Uh, and I'm sure it's great, you know, in, in the in the fall, in the, in the early spring, even in the winter, man, it was, it was great. It was uh, train travel. We're so used to getting on planes. We're Jumping in our car. Train travel took us back to uh, the old Western days. I was actually thinking about the show. Remember Robert Conrad and the Wild Wild West? I don't know how many people remember that one, but that was a great uh, show. All right. As we uh, gather here on t- and tape on a Wednesday, the Rockies lost last night to Seattle. But I want to go back to that weekend series against the Dodgers. Dodgers are good, man. And they've had the Rockies number. Uh, they win on Friday night convincingly. Uh, it was a good game initially because the Rockies get good starting pitching. Saturday, Kyle Freeland was really solid again. Uh, but the game gets away from the Rockies late. And Sunday... They needed to find a way to end an eight-game losing streak against the Dodgers. They beat them on opening day, had not won since then, and they found a way. And it was Chuck Nasty in the 10th inning with a walk-off home run, and it was the 10th walk-off win for the Rockies this year, which ties their all-time franchise best, but that was big fun. High fly ball, deep right. 
You know, it's funny because as you see Charlie watch the baseball and start to circle, he thinks it's, you know, 25 rows up. And it hit right on top of the auxiliary scoreboard. And he kind of laughed about it afterward. He said, you know, it's like I almost made a boo-boo there because I thought it was way gone and and it was a lot closer than I thought. But, you know, to see the joy on his face uh, and his teammates' face, the Rockies believe at home. And they've been good at home. There's no denying that. Even for the, you know, the cynics out there, uh, the Rockies have been a good baseball team at home. They've been a resilient baseball team at home. They're still very flawed offensively. They don't hit a lot of home runs. Uh, they have, you know, some younger players who are still trying to find their way. And then they have a veteran like Chuck Nasty who is not necessarily the same guy he was a, a couple of years ago when he was a 30-plus homer guy. That home run he hit broke a stretch of 124 at-bats without a home run. He hadn't hit a home run since June 3rd. It was over a month and a half. It was just his fifth of the year. All five have been at Coors Field. He's still a really tough out. He's one of the toughest guys in baseball to strike out. Uh, you know, he, after a very tough start in April, he's hit... Uh, above 300, I think, since May 1st. I think there's still more power in there. The ball's been on the ground uh, too much, uh, but it was great to see Charlie go deep. It was great to see um, the Rockies celebrate the other day. And how about this with Charlie, man? I got to ask him. I missed him yesterday uh, before the game, but I got to ask him if he's had some sort of renaissance. He's stolen a base in two straight games. He stole a base... On Sunday, he stole a base on Tuesday. He also threw out a triple. He, he, he hadn't even attempted to steal a base all year. So he's feeling spry. It's going to be fun to watch him uh, in the second half. Special moment on Tuesday. The Rockies lost to Seattle, but Connor Joe was called back to the big leagues and, because of the injury to, to Chris Owens. And, and Connor Joe was up earlier, and he really deserved an opportunity after what he did in spring training. He was... He was arguably the, the Rockies' toughest out throughout March. Really gives a quality at bat. He's a former number one pick, and it's been a tough journey um, and and made exponentially more difficult when he battled testicular cancer. And so he's a marvelous story. He's a very bright and thoughtful young guy. And he's got a big league bat. I really believe that. And they've, you know, they've moved him a little bit you know, third, uh, originally first base and the, and the Rockies, you know, Buddy Black said, we'll put him out in left field. Well, the other night on Tuesday night, he has an outfield assist to prevent a double. Uh, it was a great throw and he throws out his first career home run, a two run home run, 441 feet over the center field wall. And you could just see the, the jubilation on his face. Not only did he give the Rockies the lead, but he had his first big league home run. He would double in his next at-bat. Unfortunately, it didn't end in a Rockies victory, as I said. But we learned late in the ballgame, and I passed it along on the television broadcast because Corey Little does a great job running the media relations for the Rockies. He, he sent us a note that Tuesday, that night, when he threw out his first career home run and the double and the really nice play in the outfield, that was, to the day, the one-year anniversary of when he learned he was cancer-free. How about that? So that was a special uh, special night uh, for Connor Joe. We always talk uh, and have been frequently 
about you know Trevor's story naturally and what will happen with Trevor. Well, here's my latest uh, update, and, and Trevor's been in a little bit of a rough patch, and I, and I think even though he would never say this, and he's always got a smile on his face, and uh, we, I've told you many times, uh, he, he's just a, he's a great young man. Uh, the pressure and the uncertainty seems to be getting to him. He has, uh, as of this taping, nine strikeouts in his last um, three games. Right before the All-Star break, he was showing signs of, you know, breaking out. He had some home runs. In fact, against Seattle, uh, it was about a month ago, he hit a couple of home runs up there uh, in the same game. So people ask me, do I expect uh, Trevor to be traded or not? I would lean toward, I don't think he will be traded. I think the Rockies, unless, unless and this is a big you know, unless here, this is, this is a, an, a, an equivocation of sorts. If they get blown away by some team saying, hey, we, we will pay this much, and it has to be significant for Trevor, I could see the Rockies moving on him. But more than likely, and again, he hasn't had a great year, more than likely, I if if somebody said you had to you know bet one way or the other, I would say he remains with the Rockies. But we will find out here, uh, obviously, over the next uh, several days. I do expect Michael Gibbons uh, to get moved. Uh, you know, Michael's been here for a little more than a year. Really high quality guy. He's thrown the baseball well. He has a good history uh, in Baltimore, and I think you can get. Uh, you know, a, a prospect back for him. C.J. Crone's another name that, that comes up. C.J., you know, hit another monstrous home run uh, last night uh, to cut the Rockies' deficit from 6-2 to 6-4. to four. Uh, You know, he's been solid. Uh, he's, you know, he's probably uh, on a scouting scale as a slightly below average first baseman. Um, and there's going to be a market for, for, for a bat like his, but I, I see the Rockies holding on to him. And the reason is the Rockies, is, as we all know, have to be much, much better going forward offensively. They have a really nice rotation, and they have a rotation that to me is a postseason rotation. But now you have to fix other parts of the ball club. And, and one area that, that is screaming to be fixed, obviously, uh, is the offense. And it doesn't happen with one player. And C.J. Crone's been there. And you say, well, what, you know, how's he part of the solution? I'll tell you why. Because I believe next year, when they finally come together and get the next collective bargaining agreement settled, the National League will have a DH. I mean, they're going to have the DH. And C.J. Crone profiles as a guy that can play first and be adequate, but also as a DH. And then you can maybe get another left-handed bat to enhance that. And he's not going to be super expensive. You Maybe you can get Crone uh, on a two-year reasonable deal. So I wouldn't be shocked to see C.J. Crone remain a Rocky. I may be completely off on this, but um, you know those are my thoughts on, on those three guys. John Gray, I think the Rockies keep him in the fold. He's a guy that adores Colorado. He adores the Rockies organization. He loves pitching at Coors Field. We know he's had great success there. Uh, John is, uh, is a young man that wants to be comfortable, and that's a big part of, of his M.O., and I don't think he's ever been more comfortable than he is right now in a Rockies uniform, um, and I think the Rockies want to do everything they can to keep him in the fold. We'll see what happens. Those are my uh, 
best guesstimates right now on July the 21st, 10 days before the trade deadline. I'm going to talk about Gabe Landeskog on the back end of this podcast, but right now I want to stay in the baseball mode. On Monday, the Rockies had their annual they usually do it in June. Uh, this year was in July, but their their annual golf tournament to raise money for charity. It's always a great time. You see a lot of people from the sports community, uh, and you see some ex-Rockies. And one of the guys I always run into, it seems like, and I love running into him because he's such a great guy, and you guys remember him as such, and he had some big moments in a Rockies uniform, none bigger than the home run he hit on opening day in 2005. Of course, I'm referencing Clint Barmas. I think you're going to enjoy this conversation as we reminisce back and you learn a little bit more about what Clint is up to these days as well. But uh, he's an all-time Rocky. There's no denying that. Clint Barmas is our subject this week on our Ideal Home Loans Interview of the Week. One of the things I enjoy most, by the way, about uh, the annual Rockies Golf Tournament is usually, and it, there's a lot of people there, so a lot of times I don't see a lot of people, but it seems like every year I run into Clint Barmas. So um, that it makes my day, man, because you were one of my, you were one of the guys I always enjoyed talking with in your in your tenure in Colorado. How you doing, man? I'm doing well. I'm doing well, and, and yeah, I always run into you, which is always a pleasure. But no, I um. It's a it's a great event and same thing. Like I, I show up, I see a lot of guys I haven't seen in a while, and it always makes it uh it always makes it fun. And obviously, you're playing golf. You can't can't get much better than that. No, it's it's a it's a good deal, and the weather's usually great. And it's a beautiful golf course. Um, how much do you keep in contact with the guys you played with, or is it you know life? You have kids, and and you're doing all your things, and life at breakneck pace, and sometimes it, it's just once a year at a golf tournament like this at where you get to see guys. Yeah. I mean, obviously I'd love to, to keep in touch with, with more guys, but um, you know, it's, it's just a text here and there out of the blue sometimes. And um, you know, you, you keep in touch that way, but honestly living where I live, there's really not too many guys up this way that, that uh, that's real close. And so it's a text here or there, and and uh, and I could uh, I'll be honest with you, I could be a lot better at, at, at sending them out. But um, you know, it's 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 rough with the, with the lifestyle we live right now, and we got a 13 year old boy and a 10 year old little girl that that uh, that keep us really busy. <laughs> so um, honestly, that's that's kind of our lifestyle right now. You know what I love? There's so many guys, and we live in a, in a beautiful state, and you're originally from Indiana, and there's so many not just former Rockies, but professional athletes in general that, you know, a lot of them disperse around the country and, and it makes sense. You know, you go back to where you're from, that sort of thing, or maybe it's where your significant others from. You married a Colorado girl and you, it seems to me you're like one of the few guys in the last 15, 20 years that, that returned to Colorado because you didn't finish your career with the Rockies, but you returned here. Was that always the plan? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, I mean, Honestly, even from the beginning, whenever um, Summer and I first met, and uh, obviously she's from here, like you said, and just just being in this area, always coming to visit her parents, and being being up north, you know, this was this was kind of the the plan, especially once we got married, that we were going to settle up this way and and be close to her brother and and her parents, and 
And, uh, and, and yeah, that's kind of the way it's worked out and I couldn't be happier. I love it up here. The people are great up here and, um, you know, just our small town atmosphere and small town that we do live in, um, you know, it, it's, it's perfect for raising our kids and we couldn't be happier. Does it, does some of it remind you of growing up in Indiana a little bit where, uh, you know, there's farmland around you, there's a little more open space kind of thing? Oh, for sure. Uh, it does remind me a lot, in a lot of ways, obviously, the weather and all four seasons are way better out here than, than back home in Indiana. <laughs> but, um, but no, I mean, I, I was raised in, in, in a town where, you know, it's bigger than where we're at right now, but it was always that small town. Everybody knew everybody. And, um, and I have, you know, obviously I have a, a huge family back in Indiana from, from two, my mom and dad, both being farmers, being raised on a farm and, and, uh, and you know they've they've got a, a bunch of brothers and sisters, so I got a bunch of aunts and uncles and a ton of cousins. So you know it's um it, it's it, it does remind me a lot out here. Um, you know a lot of similarities that way. But uh, like I said, I just I love the fact that I can raise our kids in, in a small town and and, uh, and and pretty similar to where I, the way I was raised. I want to ask you going back because uh, for those that don't remember, you were you were a two sport athlete in junior college. You played basketball and baseball, and then you know the one terrific year you had at Indiana State enabled you to get drafted by the Rockies in the tenth round. Were you just a guy growing up playing ball, loved to play ball, and almost I don't want to. It, it sounds weird to say this, Barmy, but almost like accidentally, next thing you know is, hey, I'm a professional prospect, and now I'm. Now I'm actually earning a living playing baseball. Wait, now I made the major leagues. I mean, w- was some of this a, a big plan, or did some of it just unfold? Well, for me, I was considered the late bloomer type. So, um, you know, as a kid, I was I I, I was going to play in the big leagues. Shoot, when I was my son's age, that's what I wanted to do. And uh, I think once I got to high school, it started to settle in that you know the reality of of that really happening or or. Uh, probably it's probably not going to happen and when i got to college you know i i wanted to i played two sports and so i got the opportunity to play both sports in college and and i jumped on it and after my freshman year i gained uh i gained about 15 to 20 pounds in a good way and the work that i was putting in towards basketball and baseball um you know my body type i just got a little bigger and a little stronger and and uh and things really started to 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 get a lot better for me on the baseball side of things. Basketball, I think I was realizing that wasn't going to happen, and so I only played one year. But um, but baseball, I just continued to improve and kind of surprised myself in a lot of ways. But then I'm like, hey, I'm playing with Sean Garrett, who was one of my who's one of my best friends, and um, we were roommates in college, and he got drafted after his freshman year, and I'm like following him around, watching what he does, and yes, he was better than me at that time, but but I'm like, he's not that much better than me. Like, he is really good. But uh, that was when it was like, hey, I may have a chance here. And so just by him and I pushing each other and working the way that we did, um, I put the time in and, you know, good things happen that way. The more I put into it, the more I got out of it. And I, that's what I try to pass on to everybody else. And, and uh, you know, I was fortunate to, to get the opportunity and, and ran with it. What what was ahead of of what at the time that you played at Indiana State? You had great numbers. I think you had three seventy five. I did a little research that 
that year you had at Indiana State, which had always been a good program. In fact, eons ago, I told you this. I we we televised some of Indiana State's games in the uh, in the Valley um, when I wore younger man's shoes. But anyhow, I knew they had a good program there. But were you, were you? Did you feel like you were better? You hit like ten homers, I think, is a, which is a good number, and you had good offensive numbers. But were you better with the glove, or were you better with the stick then? Oh, hands hands down. The, my back got me to the big leagues. Period. <laughs> but uh, the, the, it's funny because um, Don Mattingly's nephew, going into my sophomore year of college, he was going to be our our starting shortstop as a sophomore. We're the same age, and Chris Mattingly's his name, and um, and he quit. You know, two weeks before our our he just he was done. He just, he didn't want to play anymore, so he gave it up about two weeks before our. Uh, our fall season started. And by that time, our coach was like, you know, Hey, we don't have anybody else that can make this transition. You're going to have to play shortstop for us this year. So needless to say, it was uh, moving from the outfield back to the infield um, was a, a pretty rough go for me for a couple of years. And I, I feel like I was super raw. And um, that's what I, everybody told me. And I, I was very raw at shortstop. Um, you know, I catch the ball throw it as hard as I could across the diamond and, Everything was 110 mile an hour. Um, oh. Everything I did, and so I made a lot of errors and a lot of mistakes. But once I got to the big leagues and got through the minor leagues and everything that way, then you know the question was: We know he can hit here, but can he play defense here? And can he play shortstop every day? Because I did make some errors, quite a few errors, and through the minor leagues. Um, but thankfully, the the glove actually uh, it, it improved. And it's funny how the process works through my career. I started to become more of a glove guy and less of a hitting guy. <laughs> and so um, <laughs> the, the roles just kind of flipped on me. But honestly, my, my back got me to the big leagues and my glove kept me there. That's interesting. You know, I had never, as long as I've known you, I never heard that story. I just always assumed, because I knew you were a really good athlete. I just always assumed, you know what? The, the defense was there. In fact, I didn't know you were an outfielder prior to uh, they, they pulled – in junior college, you didn't play on the dirt? No, no. I mean, I, I played in high school. I played – I pitched. I played a little bit of short, and I played mostly center field. Um, and so I played a lot more outfield than I, ever, than I did infield in my, high school, in my high school career or years, whatever. And, um, and so I went to college. I was wanting to be a center fielder. And we had a sophomore center fielder, so my freshman year, I actually played left field all year. And then, like I said, my sophomore year, that was when that was when I made the move, and I was basically a shortstop the rest of my career. Quick time out and then more with Clint Barmas in a moment. But first, this for my friends at Ideal Home Loans. Tell you about them all the time. They've been in business for the last 20 years. They have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. So many people go back again and again when they're buying a new home, when they're refinancing. Heck, I just closed this week on another refinance. They continue to save me money. They'll do the same for you. Brent Ivinson's team, they listen and then they lend and they put you in the best product possible. Give them a call at 303-867-7000. Ideal Home Loans, 303-867-7000. 
And again, they've been doing this for 20 years and they've expanded down to Arizona. They can help you take cash out of your house to remodel. If that's something you're thinking about, be smart. Give them a call and uh, find out all of the ways they can save you money and help with your next project potentially. 303-867-7000, Ideal Home Loans. Now back to more with my old friend, Clint Farmus. All right, so you get it. You get a taste of the big leagues a little bit before 2005, and I, and before I ask you about opening day in 2005 and and that that first month, how many people still come up to you? And you know, this is a quote unquote formal interview, but how many people come up to you when they when they recognize you and say, "Hey, man." I remember that I was there when you hit that homer off of Hoffman, or I remember watching it. Is is that still happen to you on a on a fairly regular basis? Um, not as regular as it used to, but yes. Um, and being down in Denver for the, all the, the All Star festivities and everything was, which was which was a blast, and and it was great. Uh, my family enjoyed it and everything that way. We uh, we had a great time. Saw a lot of people, um, but I did get recognized a little bit, and it was funny because. That's exactly what people were saying to me. They would come up. I was there. I was there in 05. You know, that was that was amazing. So um, it doesn't happen very as much anymore. But um, but occasionally it, it's still especially when I when I go back down to Denver um, up here, I think the people are over it up here. They, yeah. they, they've been around me long enough. And yeah, no, it's it's been great, though. Yeah, you, you're no big deal up there anymore. Uh, <laughs> hey, you, you know what's kind of this is a strange question, but because um, you played a long time in the big leagues, I mean, you retired when you were uh, uh, 36, and you got to the big leagues at 24. I mean, we we ran this out the other day, Barmy. You probably are aware of this. To get 10 years of service time, only nine percent of guys who've played in the big leagues ever achieve. That so that's one in eleven guys can last long enough like you did to, to play you know more than ten years in the big league. So it's an, an extraordinary achievement. Did it did it ever bother you that everybody always would bring up? Oh yeah, that home run you hit against Hoffman, or was it just still a sense of pride as opposed to it's not a knock that hey don't you remember everything else I did? Oh no, not at all. That was I even tell people even like yeah that's the biggest highlight of my career, and sadly. That was at the very beginning of my career. <laughs> I wish I would have had, uh, you know, some opportunities to have some bigger highlights. Um, but, you know, that one that one just kind of outshines everything else that I did. This far, Jack, deep left field, way back, take a good look. You won't see it from all. A walk-off, two-run shot from Clint Barbis. Oh, what a way to start 2005. I would have loved to have said that, yeah, you know. I've got all these other highlights, um, but but none that really stand out like that one did. And then, but I'm very blessed, very very fortunate to have the career that I had, and a lot of great, a lot of great moments and memories. Obviously, been on some really good teams, and that that uh that that's that's the stuff I'll never forget for sure. Yeah, I w- let, let's go back to that at bat though for one moment again. We can relive it, I, and I'm trying to remember because I rem- I, I recall. Obviously, the home run and and you know the craziness, but I don't even recall the pitch. Was were you sitting? Was it a changeup? Because Hoffman had one of the great changeups of all time, um, or or, or did, was it a fastball? Oh, it was definitely a fastball. And the last thing I wanted to do was get to his changeup, 
And, uh, and so, you know, you know, hearing, hearing, cause I'd never faced him, but hearing the guys in the club or in the dugout talking, it's just like, you know, this is a guy we're not going to take a strike on. He's going to try to get ahead of you. And you know what I mean? It's like, you definitely don't want to get to his changeup. So if you can get on him early, get on him early. And, you know, I was ready to hit the first pitch and that's what I got. I got a fastball that I could handle and, and, uh, you know, I, I let it go. So I'll never, never forget the, you know, the, the, the picture of the ball coming off my bat and, and where it was going is just like, wow, is running around the bases going, I can't believe this is happening right now. Did you, you knew as soon as you hit it, it was going out, didn't you? I did. I did. It was one of those where it's like, man, off the bat, it was, yeah, the stuff that you dream about. But, you know, you, you, you said, you know, my great, and I somewhat in jest, but maybe seriously that, you know, my greatest moment came, uh, you know, opening day very early in my career in, in 2005, but you went on to have, you were the rookie of the month and, and you hit over 400 uh, in April before getting hurt. Uh, there were a lot of other good moments in April. Do you ever lament, even though you had a terrific career and, and, and did a lot of good things, do you ever, you know, it's been well played out the the story of you know carrying the the deer meat and and getting hurt do you ever or, or did you at the time think back god bless it had that happen i was you know who knows what would have happened this year in terms of rookie of the year and that sort of thing right oh yeah i mean i'd be i'd be lying if i said no but it's easier for me to to let that go because of the fact that if i didn't get hurt then i was dating my wife at the time and we weren't seeing each other hardly at all. And I think she was wondering if I even liked her during during those first couple months with how, how much we, we actually talked and got to see each other. But um, once I had my injury, that was honestly when we, we got to spend more time together and, and, and build a relationship that we have now. And, and um, you know, if I, if I wouldn't have gotten hurt, would I even have my family and and the kids and, and, you know, the situation I'm in now. So no regrets by any means, but, um, but yeah, on the baseball and playing side of things, it, it, it definitely, cause it changed my swing and I had to change my swing for the rest of my career after that. Yeah. I always wondered what would it be like if I never got injured? Could I have, you know, how much, how much longer could I have kept that up? And, and what, what would the rest of that year look like? Um, for sure. That's, that's always been in my, you know, it's always been a thought. When you say you changed your uh, your swing, was that because of pain or limited mobility? What What was the reason? Um, yeah, so um, you know, I used to I actually used to finish kind of high and, and release with one hand, and um, you know, it was just just the swing and everything that way. Once I once I came back from injury, I don't know if it was just a mental block that I. I Felt like I was trying to repeat the same swing, but it just wasn't happening. And I was I was finishing a lot lower off to the side, and wasn't getting to wasn't staying through the ball real well. And uh, and so when I came back, I struggled. Well, of course, missing missing the time I missed was going to be tough regardless. But um, but yeah, like I said, it just it kind of changed my mechanics a little bit, and and uh, and so I spent the next couple years trying to figure out a good a good way to stay through the ball and. Um, fortunately for me, I was able to, I was able to find some things that worked and, and, and got back to the big leagues and was able to stay. And, and like I said, get to, get to my, my, you know, my big goal of, of 10 years. 
Yeah, you know, you you even though there were struggles in there, I'm trying. I was trying to remember, and I was looking back on that time frame because you were, you know, Rocky for a number of years and through really the glory period, if you will, the 07, you know, World Series and and the two really good teams in 09 and and. And the and the 2010 team was really good, and unfortunately, you guys faded the last couple of weeks of the season. But going back to 07, and I know that had to be a bittersweet year for you because um, there's now competition from a guy that was a really high draft pick. When you realized that that you were going to get pushed or maybe even replaced by Tulo, uh, you know, thoughts then uh, as you look back on it, you know, 15 years ago or whatever that. 14 years ago um yeah i mean obviously it, it was it was tough i mean that's a that's a tough pill to swallow when you've got a couple of years in the big leagues and and uh and then and then you've got this shit that comes up and and they're like you know out of spring training hey you need to work on your swing we're going to send you to triple a and you know go go down to the go down to the springs and get your swing right and then we'll get you back up here and then to, to see how tulo just took off and 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 you know obviously you watch the kid play uh, before he got to the big leagues and what he was doing in training is like, yeah, he's, he's the real deal and he's going to be around for a while. And so, um, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was one of those where, yeah, it was never, it's never fun to give up your job, um, you know, to somebody else and, and have to sit back and, or, or even get demoted and, and you got to go back to triple a, but you know, that was my motivation to, to get out there and, and try to try to get everything back. And, you know, like I said, fortunately, I was able to get my swing back and, and, uh, and do some good things offensively that got me back to the big leagues and may have had to, to slide over to second base. But I'll tell you what, we, uh, it didn't take me long after playing with him up the middle to, um, to realize that, hey, we got something pretty special right here. This is kind of fun. So I, mean, I always looked at it and always told myself, well, there's two shortstops up the middle right now. So I just, I didn't want to give myself up as, uh, you know, I'm a second baseman now. I'm a shortstop playing second base, but I'm playing with one of the best shortstops in the game. <laughs> so yeah. that's kind of the that was kind of the mindset that I had. Um, yeah. But I, I will say that I, I definitely enjoyed the time that I did did a, did have a second base playing with Tulo up the middle. We uh we we turned a few double plays that that, that made it a lot of fun for me. Yeah, I mean it was great. I mean, and I think one of the staples through the years of the Rockies, they've always had. Great infield defense, you know Trevor Story. Now in the last half dozen years, and um, you know you, and then you flip over to second, and then ultimately you know DJ LeMahieu comes along, and, and we all know about third base with Nolan, etc. The Rockies have always had defenders uh, in the infield. Here, here's an interesting one for you, and I think people often wonder, uh, fans especially. Can guys, when they're really competing with one another, be close? And and you described that, you know, Tulo comes up and he's this hotshot kid and you realize, wow, this guy can flat play. Um, did it prevent, you know, closeness at all, at least initially? Not at all. Not at all. And I'll, I'll, I'll tell you why is because Tulo coming up and having the success he did early and, you know, doing what he did. But the way that it, that it all worked out was he actually, you know, I, I had only two years of more than he did. So it's not like I was this veteran that he had to respect and, 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 you know, this different things this way, but he gave me a respect because of the, you know, I had more time 
And yes, he understood the whole situation, but the way that he handled it and the way that he treated me made it, made it so much easier. And we had a great relationship. I mean, it was, there was never, never any issues in the clubhouse or anything that way. And with, with actually any, any, any of my teammates through my career, to be honest with you. And, and uh, you asked the question, Omar Quintanilla, Jason Nix, um, I'm sure, I'm sure there's, oh, Jeff Baker. I mean, some of these guys were some of my closest friends in, in uh, the Rockies organization through my years there. And all three of us, or all four of us actually, were competing majority of the time for playing time at the same, at the same position. So, um, you know, I, 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 I love those guys and, and we battled it, and anytime one of us would struggle, it seemed like that's when the other guy would step in and get some playing time. And and uh, we were just competing. It seemed like for for basically playing time, basically every year that I played as a Rocky. And and uh, so so those guys are some of the closest guys that I played with as far as teammates go. And and uh, never had any issues with, oh, he's in my he's in my position. I'm not going to talk to this guy, or whatever. And I, I was always willing to try to. Let them know what success, what what made what worked for me, and you know anything that way. There was no secrets. Um, bottom line is, is we're here to win games, and if we're winning games, then everybody's everybody for the most part is going to stick. And at the end of the year, everybody's going to look like uh, their numbers are going to be where pretty close to where they want to be. And it's it's how can we how can we keep pushing each other, and how can we keep finding ways to win. More with Drew and former Rockies infielder Clint Barmas right after this. Start your day as I do with Boyer's Coffee. It is smooth to the last drop, and they're the legendary Rocky Mountain Roaster. They've been brewing coffee here in the Rocky Mountains since 1965. It's roasted daily and delivered fresh weekly to your local grocery store, or you can do as I do. You can have it directly delivered to your home. Nothing easier than that. Go to BoyersCoffee.com, check out all of their great products, their great flavors, and have it brought right to your house. It'll be there in no time. And uh, then you just uh, open your front door and you're all set to start your day. It's BoyersCoffee.com. They've been locally owned and operated for more than a generation. And uh, so many people... When they go to have a cup of coffee, they go to Boyer's. They're the official coffee sponsor of the Colorado Rockies as well. Boyer'sCoffee.com. I want to tell you once again about an outstanding family law firm that I could not recommend any higher. And we know that unfortunately divorces happen and people grow apart. It's a reality. It's a difficult time in life and a difficult process to navigate. You need understanding. You need compassion coupled with outstanding legal advice and counsel. And you'll find it at one of the top family law firms in the region in Cox, Baker, and Page. That's Cox, Baker, and Page. They've been celebrated and honored for their work and their compassion for a number of years by U.S. News and World Report and Laura Page. And Mary Cox are consistently listed by them with a best lawyer distinction. So if you or someone you know needs assistance, reach them at coxbakerandpage.com. Mention you heard it from me and receive a discount on your initial consultation. Once again, it's coxbakerandpage.com, a family law firm. Now, more with Drew and former Rockies infielder Clint Barmas. Barmy, 07, we all, everybody knows who's, who's ever followed the Purple. 07, the, the great run to the World Series. Uh, 08, disappointing. 09, 
good team again. And, and you know, if, if a game late doesn't get away, uh, there's going to be a game five in Philadelphia in the postseason. And, you know, the kind of the woulda, coulda, shoulda that that uh, is involved in all sports stories, it seems. Uh, and then the 2010 team, which was really good and unfortunately did the opposite the last couple of weeks of what the 07 team did. You were part of all of those teams. Which was the best team? Not the one that ultimately, you know, because we know 07, you guys went to the World Series, but what was the best team? Well, I mean, I'm I'm kind of partial because I played more in 09. Sure. <laughs> so, so, yeah. So I will. I want to say that team, but um, yeah, that's that's tough, man. Because you look at you look at what we had in '07 and 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 everything that we brought that way, especially the staff and 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 on the pitching side of things. I think you almost break it down to which team was better for pitching and which team was better for you know offensively and and defensively. But um, no, I don't know. We had two great teams. I, that's that's too hard for me to even to even even compare. Yeah, I, I will say this because nothing will trump the twenty-one out of twenty-two, uh, and, and I and I said this also. And if if you guys were the Yankees and um, San Diego was Boston or vice versa, Game One Sixty Three would go down as one of the greatest games ever played. Um, but it kind of gets lost a little bit because it was between, you know, the team in the mountain time zone and, and that team way out west. But that was an extraordinary thing. But I'm not so sure, Barmy, that the 09 team wasn't the best Rockies team I've seen. Um, I, I just think across the board, uh, you know, ultimately the playoffs are, uh, you know, sometimes a flip of a coin. But that, that 09 team that you were on was a special team. It, it really was. It really was. And we had a, we had a great core and obviously, you know, with, with everybody that was on that team. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it was a special team and, you know, some of my, some of my, my, my best memories of, of playing were, were, were during that season. Yeah. How about after you, you leave the Rockies and you get treat you get traded to, to Houston initially. And I remember a conversation with you because, um, you know, Clint Hurdle, Clint was on uh, a few weeks ago and Clint remains, you know, a, a good friend. Clint, Clint's a, an interesting guy. He'd probably be the first to say this. He can, he can be tough at times and, and tough to read. And it probably surprised you that Clint, running the Pirates, went out and signed you to a two-year deal, reached out. Because I remember talking to you at the time, and that, that kind of, you know, it was great for you, but it, it was a bit of a surprise, if I recollect. It, no, it was. It was. Because, honestly, my, my years in Colorado – you know, competing for playing time and just the way that, that, that hurdle, you know, would, would use guys and, and, and find ways of however you want to say it, motivating guys. Um, you know, I, I can't say that I always agreed or that I always appreciated or liked his, his philosophy at times for the younger player, because I was a younger player. I, that's when I came up, he was my first manager. And so, you know, he's known for, obviously he's known for, you know, being good at basically motivating and getting young guys to play and, and, uh, and, and everything that way. But, but it was, it was one of those where I, I wasn't sure if he appreciated or liked what I did for him when I was playing for him as a Rocky. And it spoke volumes when, when they were, um, when I first became a free agent and he was the first guy to call, he was the first, they were the first team to, to, to jump on and, and try to, and try to get me to sign. And, and, uh, and like I said, I mean, 
I, you know, I, I owe him a, a ton for giving me that opportunity. And that kind of, that, that kind of changed, changed my life and, and, and my career at that point. And so, um, you know, and it, it's one of those where, yeah, I was a little surprised. No, I'm not going to lie, but I got the call from them and, and, and it was an offer that was too good to pass up. So I jumped on it and, and I have no regrets. I mean, it was some good times in Pittsburgh, those three years, um, especially breaking the, breaking the slump or the, 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 the streak, the, you know, of the, of the 20 year streak and, 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 you know, being a part of two really good teams, um, you know, that just, that's just a, some, a couple teams right there that, that, like I said, that, um, that really, really made my career and, and kind of helped me stick around. Obviously the way that, the way I played those two years, um, gave me opportunities to get to my 10 years. You know, that, that's a great town, Pittsburgh, and it's a passionate town. It's a tough town. And when you win, they really embrace you there, don't they? They do. They do. And they are obviously, it's very well known out east for sure. They're, they're very passionate about their sports. And I used to, I used to love to joke. It was, uh, it was funny. I think I would get recognized more on the street by, you know, uh, just the, the, the men and women that you, that you run into, like the people out there. It doesn't matter if you're male or female. I think I got I got recognized from everyone, and they were just so passionate around the around the game, and obviously when you're winning, and when you're not, they will let you know. <laughs> and so, um, you know, you definitely have to have some thick skin, you know, playing playing out that way because, um, you know, you may hear some things you may not you may not enjoy at times, but they'll be the first ones to. To, to stand up and, and, and cheer when you do something well. Yeah. When, when it all, you know, eventually shut down, I think it was with Kansas City and, and you let go, was there any thought of I'm going to give it one more shot or was it, you know what, I'm good and I'm going to move on to the next chapter? You know, I, no, it, it was one of those where, um, you know, from a, from a personal standpoint, I wanted to, my goal was to try to get to a thousand hits my goal was to try to get to a hundred home runs, uh, you know, later in my career or whatever. But my main goal was my main focus was I want to, I want to get my 10 years in. And once I got to 10 years, you know, I was like, at that point, my body was, was still pretty beat up. And I was like, do I go to spring training one more year or do I just, I got my 10 in, do I, do I hang them up? And so no regrets going to Kansas city and, and giving it one more go. Obviously, it was the year after they won the World Series, so my chances of even being and breaking with that team were going to be pretty slim anyway. I was on a minor league deal. But I said, you know what? And my wife helped talk me into it. She's like, just go see how spring training is. If it's your last spring training, it's your last spring training. And, um, you know, then it, then, and then at the end of spring, love the guys, love the organization. They were great. And, um, you know, I, I, they talked me into, into staying it a little bit longer and trying to go down to Omaha and, and playing a little, a couple months in AAA. And it was pretty obvious looking at my numbers. I was hitting around 200, hitting last. Um, you know, I had some young infield guys going up to the big leagues in front of me and which very much deserved. And I think the writing was right there, but, but more so than that, my, my body just, I locked up and I'm like, I'm, I'm going to end up hurting myself if I keep doing this. And is it even worth it? 
And so um, I can honestly say I, I, I went until my body told me no more. <laughs> and that's, that's kind of the way I explain it to everybody. How's the transition been? Um, because for some uh, of your brethren, you know this, whether it be baseball, football, basketball, anything, when you spend your life, uh, you know, the first part of your life, if you will, um, you know, with a singular focus, which you have to have in addition to great talent, but you have to have a singular focus to get anywhere close to where you got and achieve what, what you did. And then when it's gone, um, for a lot of folks, it's a difficult transition, understandably so. How was it for you initially? Well, honestly, the way that it all ended and and everything that way, like I knew I did everything that I could do. I left it all there and I have no regrets of leaving and, and, and walking away from the game the way that I did. And, um, and so my transition was very easy, actually. Um, I was actually looking forward to being able to be home and to be able to spend time with my family um, and, and just be dad and be home and be there for the kids. And, and that's, you know, I'm five years now retired and, and, um, and, and still I'm, I'm enjoying it. I love it. Um, our kids keep us way more busy than I ever thought that they would. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so, I mean, I've got no regrets and, and, and it was, like I said, for me, it was a it was an easy transition, and I love what I'm doing right now. And I'm very blessed and fortunate that I played long as long as I did. That allows me to keep doing to to keep doing what I'm doing, which is you know coaching our kids and 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 being there and being there for them and and uh, being able to manage and just kind of work around the house and and do the things that I that I enjoy doing, uh, which is just being outside and. And, and and keeping up with the yard and keeping up with stuff that way, like I enjoy that stuff. So, uh, and being home, like I said, that's uh, that's been the biggest thing. I, in our profession, we're gone all the time, and even when we're home, it's you're only getting a few hours if you're lucky with your family, and then you got to go to the ballpark and you're gone all day the rest of the day. So, people don't realize that even when you are playing and you are at home or your family's with you, you're really not spending a ton of time with them anyway. And that was um, that was really tough, especially once my kids started school and and they couldn't be with me as much as they were. How about the coaching aspect? Do you see yourself uh, expanding in that, or or just you know being being a you know a, a coach to Colt and to your daughter and um, you know in in high school a little bit? What what's the what's the future hold? Uh, well, honestly, right now um, I, my plan is is to be here and coach the kids, uh, especially coach my son through, uh, through baseball, probably because I'm helping out the high school now uh, in Berthoud where he's going to probably go to end up going to high school. So if that's the case, then I'll probably, I'll probably help coach through high school and, um, and then kind of see, see where we're at when, when that, when that time comes and, and, uh, but I'm not, I'm not going to count anything out by any means, but I, I definitely know I've set my mind on being here and being, being able to coach my son through at least through high school and, and possibly even my daughter um, through, through softball through high school. So um, that's as far as I've gotten, but um, we'll, we'll just kind of have to have to see, see how all this goes. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, man, I'm I'm happy for you. I used to say this when I was around you more frequently. Uh, you're always one of the nicest, uh, you know, you're one of the nicest people I know, except there's one person I always felt that was nicer, and that was Summer, your wife. And I said it again yesterday. It was great to see her, give her a big hug. She's, you know, she is honestly one of the sweetest people uh, I've ever met, man. You married over your head, dude. I, I completely agree, and I, I, I'm super blessed, and, and yes, I would agree 100%. <laughs> but thank you, Drew. It's always a pleasure to talk to you, man. Yeah, you as well. It's great to see you. And um, next time I'm tracking up that uh, that way, I'll give you a holler. That sounds good. All right, brother. Take care, man, and, and stay well, and, and uh, best to the family. Yep, you as well. Thank you. Good man. That's all you can say about Clint Barmas. Really enjoyed that conversation. Just some numbers, because uh, I hadn't looked at, at Barmas' stats in, in a long time. He played parts of 13 years, as as you know, he's proud he got more than uh, 10 years of service time in in the big leagues. He ended up hitting 208 doubles, 89 home runs. He said he wanted to get that 100 home run mark, but uh, you know what? That's a pretty good number. He drove in over 400, and uh, he also wanted to get to 1,000 hits. I mean, how many, how many guys, think about it, get to 1,000 hits? He fell a little bit short, 932. But that was a heck of a career. It really was. Eight years of Colorado Rocky, three years in Pittsburgh. He had a stop in San Diego and Houston as well. And for a guy that was a 10th round pick, you know, we talk about draft picks all the time and, you know, where guys come from and, and how many guys who were drafted, you know, really high don't make it. He was a 10th round pick and he had one heck of a career. Um, and he's, uh, you know, he's a superb guy. And I love when you have guys that uh, played here in, in any of the sports and they end up uh, returning to Colorado to call it home because we know it's uh, such a beautiful place. Well, speaking of a guy that's called Colorado home since he was a teenager, Gabe Landeskog was not uh, protected. And as of this taping, we don't know, you know, is Seattle going to make a run at him? It would be expensive. Or will the Avalanche have an opportunity to re-sign him? Can they work a deal? Just a few weeks ago, when the Avalanche were still alive, I was singing the praises of Gabe Landeskog. So he's he's one of the best leaders um, that I've seen from afar in this town. When he dropped the gloves in that first game in the opening minutes against St. Louis to kind of set the tone that the Avalanche weren't going to be pushed around, it was awesome. It was tremendous. He's a power forward. He's been a captain since he was 19 years of age. And he is always the guy, good, bad, or indifferent, uh, to face the media. He's super intelligent. And he's a guy, if you're a, uh, an Avalanche fan, you want him in the fold. The problem is with the, sal- with the salary cap, you can't keep everyone. And I trust Joe Sackick because Joe has made a lot of Really shrewd moves. And I go back to when so many people out here wanted him to draft Seth Jones when the Avalanche had the opportunity. And Seth Jones was looked upon as the, you know, best defenseman coming out in in years and years and years. And there was local ties because Seth is, you know, Popeye and Amy's son and, and, you know, Popeye played for the Nuggets and, and that sort of thing. And Seth's had a great career. But Joe Sackick saw something in Nathan McKinnon. He was right. Nathan McKinnon is one of the two or three best players in the world. As good as Seth Jones is, that was the right pick. So I trust what Joe Sackick's doing because he has to save money 
to sign Kale McCarr, to eventually extend Nathan McKinnon. And then there's some other guys you're going to want to keep in the fold, one assume, guys like Sam Girard. So you're dealing with a salary cap and making a, a calculated, uh, you're, you're making calculated decisions and taking calculated risks. And I do hope somehow Gabe Landeskog ends up back in an avalanche sweater, but that'll be uh, one that's uh, interesting to follow down the road. We're about out of time for this edition of the Drew Goodman Podcast. Make sure you join my boys, Drew Creaseman and Patrick Lyons, on the DNVR Daily Rockies Podcast. Check them out. A lot of fun. I join them uh, each and every week. So listen, you all take care. Stay well. Go take a train ride if you get a moment. And uh, we'll visit again next week. Tell your friends uh, about our little uh, venture here as well. We appreciate it. Talk to you next week.